Uh, turn to the book of Psalms, uh, and we're going to look at Psalm 3 this morning, and we are going to take a one-week break. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a one-week break uh, from our study in Matthew, and today we are going to cover the topic of anxiety. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 3 this morning, and we are going to begin reading in verse Number one, again, it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And I want you to notice that word, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord to sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Whenever I was growing up, the worst thing that could happen to me was for me to have to sit with my mom during church. Uh, so at our, at our church, whenever I was really young in Tennessee, uh, we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And on Sunday morning, and whenever I was a kid, five, six, seven, eight years old, we had class for the kids. Uh, on Wednesday night, we also had, uh, we had something called uh, King's Kids, and that was a kids' class where we memorized Bible verses and we uh, learned the stories of God's Word, and so we had a class on Wednesday night. So we had a class on Sunday morning, we had a class on Wednesday night, but on Sunday night, there was nothing for the kids except for to sit with their parents during the service. Now, most of the time, I was actually pretty fortunate because on Sundays, we would uh, we'd go to church in the morning, and then for lunch, instead of going home, we would go to my grandma's house. Me and my brother, my two sisters, and my cousins, we would go to my grandma's house. We would uh, eat pancakes and French flies. Uh, that's what we called it. Every Sunday, she would make pancakes and French fries. Uh, the one I can't remember if it was my brother or my cousin that accidentally called it French flies one Sunday. So every Sunday after that, it was pancakes and French flies. Uh, we'd play with our cousins. And then on Sunday night, we would go and we would sit in the service with my grandma. Now, that was a, how many of you know already that if you have to choose between sitting in church with your mom or sitting in church with your grandma, that grandma is just going to be the better option. Uh, my grandma, she would bring uh, snacks for the service. So we would have uh, all different kinds of snacks, goldfish and gummy worms and all kinds of great things like that. She would bring uh, different uh, toys for us to play with during the service. She would bring, uh, she would bring, uh, she would bring paper and colored pencils. So we would have all sorts of things to do during the hour and a half on Sunday night. It was, a, it was a fine experience, but there were occasions where if my grandma was sick or um, if something happened or I guess if my parents just wanted to be mean to us, we would have to sit with my parents during the service. And on one particular Sunday night, I remember sitting there and I was really tired. I think on this particular Sunday, we would do it a couple of times and I can pretty much promise you we will never do this. 
uh, but we, we had occasionally, we would have two preachers preach on Sunday night. And it wasn't one of those things where it's like, instead of a 40-minute message, one preacher's going to preach for 20 minutes and the other preacher's going to preach for 20 minutes. No, 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 no. This was a two preachers, full-length sermons. Uh, it was, it was, it was something. It was something. So on this, on one particular Sunday night, I'm sitting with my mom in church, and I'm getting tired, and it's getting late, and uh, I, I'm just feeling like, hey, you know what? This is the perfect time to take a nap. I see different people do it during the service. Uh, we all see Ty do it during the service. Uh, <laughs> never mind. We'll just we'll move. We will move on. Uh, so, but uh, I see different people taking taking naps. On Sunday night, so I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take a nap. Now, my mom is Puerto Rican, and I know that we have uh, Hispanics in the room that would appreciate this. We have something, uh, you have something called, you know what a chancla is. Uh, so, uh, so we, uh, man, we're, we're sitting there, and I don't know what happened. But I was starting to take a nap. And my mother got a hold of me, and to be honest... I blanked out. I don't remember what happened. Except for I know that you do not fall asleep during church. And, you know, during those moments, that was, uh, that was an experience. That was a memory. But you know what? It served me pretty well, actually, whenever I got to college. Because my senior year of college, this was uh, my schedule. I was taking uh, 18 credit hours. Um, I was working security uh, on campus. So I was working uh, typically at night from either 10 at night till six in the morning or till two in the morning till six in the morning. And then I also played basketball and we had basketball practice every night from nine o'clock at night until 11 o'clock at night. And then on the weekends, uh, on the weekends, I went and served with Adriana at a church like an hour and a half away. So on the weekends, here's the way that it usually went for me. On Saturday night, I would work from 10 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, then I would clock out. I would take a 20 or 30-minute nap. Uh, then I would get up, get dressed, uh, make the drive, uh, the hour and a half to church. I would sit in church Sunday morning. Uh, the afternoon, we'd either do projects for the church or schoolwork. Uh, then Sunday evening service. And then afterwards, we would drive the hour and a half back to campus. And then usually, I would go right back to work. Uh, so on the weekends, usually I would go from like Saturday night till Monday morning. I would get, you know, maybe an hour of sleep. Now, Adrienne is my witness. I'm not telling you stories. You can ask her after the service before I get to her. Um, we would sit together every Sunday and Sunday night we would be sitting there and I am there with my eyes wide open. I feel like I'm going to die, but I am not like they're not closing. I'm not going to sleep. Because I have my mother's voice uh, in my head, you do not sleep in church. What made it even better is we had another engaged couple that would go with us on the weekends. And there was Steve. And Steve, uh, he worked. He actually worked more hours than I did, but he never worked. Uh, he didn't work nights. And there he is on Sunday nights, and he's doing one of two things. He's either sleeping or he has a pen, and he's stabbing himself to keep, to keep himself awake. But you can ask Adriana. I never, like, she never had to tap me on the, on the shoulder to wake me up. I was always awake because of the anxiety that was instilled in me as a six or seven-year-old boy. So my mind could not rest to go to sleep. While it may have served me okay for a church service to keep me from being embarrassed, I think all of us acknowledge, all of us know what it feels like for our minds to be racing and for our minds to be anxious where we can't find any rest for our souls, where we cannot find rest 
for our minds. Uh, everyone gets anxious about something. Yet, whenever we look into the Word of God, uh, the Bible has answers for our anxiety. And I'd like for us to look at that today. In Psalm 3, uh, the book of Psalms, if you're, new to, if you're new to the book, the book of Psalms is a book of poetry. It's a book of uh, poems and songs. And it's really a lot of different writers. Most of them are written by King David, but not all of them. They're written at different points in history. And some of them we don't even really know what is the background for this particular, uh, for this particular psalm or this particular poem. Uh, but in Psalm 3, we do. And David is in the most anxious, most stressful season of his life. But I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verse number 1, and then I want you to look at verse number 8, and I want you to notice where David starts the psalm and where he finishes. In verse number 1, he says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Like, that's an overwhelming statement. Lord, uh, everyone is surrounding me. Everyone is against me. I'm all alone. Uh, this is overwhelming. Some translations say, oh Lord, like this is, uh, this is an overwhelming cry out for help. I don't know what to do. Oh Lord, help me. How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. That's where he starts verses one and two. And then I want you to look at verse number eight. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. A different point in the psalm, we're going to look at it, and we're going to see how he talks about being able to go to sleep, and how he's able to rest, and how he's able to rejoice. So he starts off in an anxious place, and then he ends with some peace. And today, my, my hope, and I want you to go ahead and pull out your connection card, because we're going to use it throughout the service today. But my, my goal, my hope, is that as we look at the Word of God, and as we look at who our God is, that maybe there's something today where you're feeling anxious. Maybe there's something that is overwhelming in, in your own life. And by the end of the service, by the end of the message, then my hope is that we'll ex be experiencing some peace from God's word. So what is going on in David's life when he writes Psalm 3? David, King David, is on the run from a rebellion. His own people have rebelled against him. They are chasing him and uh, those who are loyal to him. They're chasing after him to try to kill him. And the rebellion is led by his son. You can read about this in 2 Samuel 13, 14, 15. And in 2 Samuel 13, David is going through an awful lot. Uh, David has, and this was a custom of the day, it doesn't make it right, it was just their custom of the day, that kings and wealthy people of stature would have lots of different wives. They would have multiple wives. So David had multiple wives, and he had different kids with these different wives, and he had a daughter who was named Tamar. Uh, and then he had another, he had with a different woman, he had a son whose name was Ammon. Well, in 2 Samuel 13, you see something that is really tragic and scandalous that happens in 2 Samuel 13. Uh, Amnon th forces himself physically on his half-sister, Tamar. It's a tragic story. We're not going to get into all the details of it for today. But what you need to know from after that incident is that Tamar's uh, full brother, Absalom, just gets enraged by what happens, and really rightfully so. 
Uh, he, for two years, he sits in anger towards Amnon and what he did. And David, uh, David is angry and David is upset about what happened. But at the same time, he loves his son. So David does uh, what is wrong. He doesn't carry out justice for what Amnon did to Tamar. And that enrages Absalom. For two years, Absalom waits around until finally he can't take it anymore. He invites Amnon to a, to a party. He gets Amnon drunk, and then whenever Amnon is drunk, he has Amnon killed. After he has Amnon killed, he actually flees from the country, uh, from David and from justice, and he hides out there for, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, for three years. Finally, after three years, Absalom is brought back to Israel after David is pressured to invite Absalom back. Uh, but David doesn't make things right. He won't even speak to Absalom. He says, you're not allowed to see my face uh, to his son. So it's two years that, that Absalom has been in, in just anger towards David and what David has allowed to happen. And then for three years, he was on the run. And now when he's brought back, he's not even allowed to see David's face. So after five years, it has completely changed Absalom's life. So we see that Absalom, he goes to the, to the city gates. And the city gates is where... Uh, is really, that was the town hall, if you will. That's where uh, everyone would get together, and that's where, uh, that's where the leaders would uh, exercise their influence. The wise people in the town, they would give their uh, counsel, and that's where all of those kinds of things happened. Like, if you wanted to know what was going on in the town, you went to the gates of the city. So Absalom goes to the gates of the city. He's sitting there, and the Bible says that he was uh, extremely, extremely handsome. There was no fault in him. So uh, picture this, uh, this movie star prince who's sitting at the gates, and uh, there he is when people walk by. He's saying things like, hey, you know what? Uh, you have this dispute with somebody else. Hey, listen, if I were the king, I would have your back. And then he would talk to somebody else. Hey, hey, if I were the king, hey, I would have your back. I, I would take care of you. So for a season of time, Absalom is sitting at the gates. He's talking to everyone. He's, uh, he's interacting with everyone. And, and what he's doing is the way that the Bible works it is he's turning the hearts of the people away from David and towards himself. Once he has enough support, he actually leads a rebellion against David. He drives David out of the city and David is on the run for his life, which is when he writes this psalm. Absalom to shame him, which we're going to get into honor and shame and what that meant back in those days in a few weeks in our next series. Uh, but to shame him, Absalom actually sleeps with all of David's uh, wives and concubines that were left in the castle on the rooftop for everyone to see to embarrass David. Uh, that's what Absalom does. He's, he's full of anger and he's wants, he wants David dead. That'd make you feel a little anxious if you're David on the run, wouldn't it? So David writes these words, and in verse, verses 1 and 2, I want you to notice uh, what he says. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And what makes this so painful for David, what's causing uh, so much fear, what's causing so much anxiety for David in this moment is not, this. these aren't Philistines. This isn't Goliath who's coming at him, who hates him, who wants him dead. These are his own people. This is his own family that wants him dead. So it seems even bigger than if it was an enemy, if it was the Ammonites or if it was the uh, Amalekites or if it was the Moabites that were coming after him. Like that would be one thing, but these are the people that he's loved. These are the people that he's tried to serve. And I can't help but think that David in his mind is going back to when he was a teenage boy thinking, man, I was anointed uh, by the prophet Samuel and I was told that God was going to make me a king for this. That, like this is what my life has been building towards. 
Man, I, I remember being on the run from, from King Saul and, and just looking forward to the day when God would make all things right and God would set me up to be the king like he, like he promised. And, and now here I am on the run. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? This is an exclamation of really just uh, of emotion whenever he's saying this. Oh, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. In verse number two, he says, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And I was actually reading, and what I found is when David is on the run, there's a man by the name of Shimei, uh, who's a descendant of King Saul, who's actually following David and saying, hey, God hates you. God is done with you. Uh, God knows how you are a bloody man, is what he says. And he said, hey, God is going to curse you. So uh, while he's on the run from these armies, he's got somebody else who's barking in his ear about how horrible he is, what a terrible person he is. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But I want you to notice what David does. So I want to give you some steps for us to walk through our anxiety. All right. And here's step number one that we see David do in verses one and two. We, we need to acknowledge and take our anxieties to God. Step one, acknowledge and take your anxieties to God. Uh, if you don't read them, I'm going to give like I'm going to give a shameless plug for a second. But my brother does does a lot of writing nowadays on like mental health and those kinds of things. And whenever he talks about this concept, he calls it labeling. Uh, he calls it labeling. If you're interested in reading on mental health and those kinds of things, uh, come see me after the service. I can show you his his blog and those kinds of things. But he calls it labeling. And the idea is there's just something about whenever I'm feeling a bunch of emotions, there's something about writing it down, putting pen to paper, uh, saying it out loud, uh, that actually helps relieve some of the pressure of my emotions. But I want you to notice what David does. David doesn't just write it down, although he does that. That's why we have it to read in Psalm 3. Not only does he write it down, not only does he speak it out, but it's who he speaks it out to. He speaks it out to God. Lord, this is my problem. Lord, this is what I'm anxious about. This is what I'm angry about. And can I just say for a moment, can we just notice for a moment that God is fine with you taking your problems, your anxieties, your fear, even your anger to him. God is not afraid of your emotions. Uh, I don't know how you grew up, if you grew up in church or anything like that, but the way that, that I grew up, and I don't think anybody said this, I just think it's kind of the way that I felt. Uh, so it's not anybody's fault. It's just, this is kind of the messaging that I took up was that, you know, if I'm going to be a, a good Christian, then whenever good Christians don't have bad emotions, right? Like good Christians don't, they don't get anxious. They don't get fearful. Uh, good Christians, whenever they have a, a bad emotion pop up, then we just, well, we just say a verse. Uh, whenever I'm afraid, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And then, and then it's all supposed to just magically go away. And that's kind of the way that I felt about it. So, so whenever I have those negative emotions that just come at me time and time and time again, then all that happens is I just try to bottle it up. I just try to ignore it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but you just have those emotions inside. And, yeah, you just get shaken up with life and, and everything is just going on inside. But you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, and then finally, there's just something where you just crack. And then... I'm not going to open it today because I just got these clothes dry clean. <laughs> but that's what happens in our souls. We try to ignore our anxieties. We try to ignore our emotions until they build up and cause a mess 
for ourselves and for everyone around us. My friend, God cares about you. And throughout the Psalms, not just this Psalm, but throughout the Psalms, uh, God, God makes it clear that, hey, we can take our emotions to him. A couple of references, and for the sake of time, we're not going to go there today. But Psalm, Psalm chapter 10 and verse 1, we see people expressing frustration even with God. Uh, in Psalm 22:1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 73, the, the man of God in Psalm 73 says, you know what? I was almost done with God. I was almost done with his people uh, because I saw that in my mind, God wasn't holding up his end of the deal. My friend, there's just something about taking our anxieties and putting them on paper, sp speaking them out and taking them to God. So here's what I want you to do. You have your connection card. Go ahead and pull it out for a second. We're gonna actually like um, we're gonna like put this into practice a little bit today. Okay, on the connection card, there's like three or four lines at the bottom. Take a look at it, and I want you to write this down on the top line. I am anxious about fill in the blank. If you're not anxious, then. Maybe you're just, you don't have to write something down, just write something down. But I'm anxious about, maybe you're anxious about your financial situation. Maybe you're anxious about school. Maybe you're anxious about job security. I am anxious about, hey, you got pen to paper. Then he verbalizes it. Now this one, I won't force you to do because I just, uh, I know everyone has different comfort levels, but if you're comfortable with this, if you're comfortable with this, you have somebody around you, would you be willing to read to them out loud what you said on your, what you wrote down on your paper? <laughs> you can go ahead and speak that out. Okay, but I want you also to notice he takes it to God. So would you just in your seat where you're at, pray this, pray what you wrote down to God, like what you wrote down, tell that to God right now. God, I am anxious about this. I need your help. That helps if you do it out loud too. Step, step one, acknowledge your emotions and take them to God. The second principle that we see in this text is to focus on the character of God. Focus on the character of God. Uh, so verse number three, he says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. So we see in these next two verses, not only does David acknowledge his emotions and take them to God, but the second thing that David does is he focuses on the character of God. He focuses on the character of God. 
In these first two verses, he's expressing, everyone's against me. These people want me dead. This is overwhelming to my soul. And then in verse number three, I want you to notice what he says. Lord, you are my shield. Now, what's interesting is this idea of the shield that he's expressing is not just a shield, like a a little round shield that you put on your arm. It's not a little shield. It's not even like the Roman shields. If you've ever watched, if you've ever seen like the Roman shields where it's like uh, a a four foot tall, uh, three foot wide shield. Uh, It's not that kind of a shield. The the idea of this shield, the picture of this shield is an all encompassing shield, almost like, uh, you know, like, like a metal, like an, like Iron Man, like a metal, a metal suit completely surrounding you. Uh, it's all around you. It's under you. It's above you. This is like an all-encompassing shield is the idea of what David is expressing. Lord, everyone's against me. People want me dead. You are my shield. Listen, throughout scriptures, we see a lot about the character of God and who God is. And whatever you're anxious about, God is the answer. Uh, last year, I... Last year, I was really struggling with some some anxious thoughts. I was struggling uh, with my own thinking and things that were going on in my life. And finally, uh, I just decided, Adriana, help me. Uh, I decided that I was going to go see a biblical counselor. I was actually going to go talk to a counselor about some things that were going on in my life. And it was really interesting because I went and I had no idea what to expect. Um, So typically, like, People in church, if they want counsel or advice or something, like sometimes they'll go to the pastor. Uh, but when you're the pastor, it's like, what do you do? So I went to the, go these go see these biblical counselors, and I would just say, like, if you've got some big problem and you come to me and you say, like, Pastor David, I've got these big problems, and I'm probably going to say to you, well, you know what? I'm not that great of a counselor, but I've talked to some great counselors, and I'm going to point you to them. Uh, but I had no idea what to do, so I went to this counseling meeting. I sat down. Uh, I talked to them, and then here's what they did. And this, honestly, it surprised me a little bit. So I talked through for two hours. I talked about like my story, uh, what I was struggling with, what I needed help with. And then they said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you homework. Um, go do the homework, and then come back next week, and we'll walk through your homework. So here's one of the things that they did. This isn't everything that they did, but this did surprise me was they said, okay, here's this characteristic of God. Here's 10 to 15 verses about that, about him. Go study those out and then come back and we'll talk about it. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because it worked. Um, I did the homework. And the next week, like, my stress levels, if it was a 10 when I went in, like, like, oh, I won't. I won't say uh, how stressed I was, but I was stressed. If my stress level was at a 10, like just walking through the practice of studying this characteristic of God that speaks to my problem, it took it down to probably a six or a seven. And over the course of the eight to 10 weeks of counseling that I went through, every single week they said, hey, focus on this, on a different characteristic of God. Here's 10 or 15 verses. Uh, study those out. Meditate on those. Like think about those. Uh, and, 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 It helped me. It helped me a lot. And that's what David is doing here. Lord, everyone wants to shoot arrows at me. Everyone wants to stab me with a sword, but you are my shield. God, who he is, is the answer to what you're afraid of. 
So maybe if you wrote down that I'm anxious about my finances, can I remind you today that God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. He is my provider. In Matthew 6, uh, Jesus said that, hey, God is a good father who takes care of his children. If he knows what's going to happen to the sparrows, then surely he will take care of you. So don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear, because life is more than those things, and your heavenly father will take care of those things. Uh, If you're anxious today, because maybe uh, you have some father wounds in your life and you feel like, hey, you know what? My dad wasn't there for me. My dad didn't care about me. My dad walked out on me. Can I just remind you, focus on the characteristic of God, that God is not just a father because we've all experienced, we all know bad fathers. We've seen bad fathers. God is a good father. Who God is, is the answer to your fears. And it's something that uh, is called in the, uh, in the, I guess, the neuroscience world. This is the idea of Thought redirection. It's the idea of choosing our thoughts um, and thinking on different things. We can't just say, you know what? We can't just sit down and say, you know what? I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be anxious. Like that, does, that just doesn't work. All right, I'm stressed about money, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit down and you know what? I'm not stressed about money anymore. Like that's not the way that it works. We have to change the way that we think. We have to fill our minds with different things. Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind with all wisdom. So so then he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. It's filling our minds with things that are that are holy and good and lovely and and uh and beautiful. That's that's what God is giving as a prescription for anxiety. So so let's do this practice for a moment. I have up here. Oh, I forgot something that I wanted to bring. You didn't see that. Whew. We're going to take an offering for this microphone. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. I hate. I, I'm just curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this out so that way you guys appreciate the illustration. Um, how many of you like mushrooms? How many of you hate mushrooms? I, I can't stand mushrooms. What about onions? I don't like onions. Who does not like onions? If you don't like onions. Oh, we just got one. All right. Who loves cockroaches? There we go. There we go. All right. Here we go. Do not, ready? Do not think about cockroaches. Don't think about uh, their little antennas that if you try to squash them, they're like going all over the place and are going to get on your fingers, ladies, and just be nasty and gross. Don't think about, like, don't think about them crawling on walls. Don't, don't think about cockroaches. If, you're, if you have like a cockroach phobia, I'm sorry. Don't think about them. So here's my question for you. What are you thinking about? Cockroaches! And I could go on longer and longer, but with some of your faces, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop talking about cockroaches, okay? So we don't think about them. Don't think about cockroaches that are nasty and gross. Don't think about the fact that other people in other countries actually eat cockroaches. Don't think about them. You're thinking about cockroaches. Stop it. I saw one on my stairs Okay, now, hey, I want you guys to notice Adriana picked up Shipley's Donuts. 
uh, this morning. Uh, in here is an assortment of Shipley's Donuts, and there's all different kinds, but the best one, just so you know, is the Blueberry Donut. It's good. It's good. You know what? You are going to help me. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. Would you like? Would you like? Here, take one. Take one. Cameron, I know you are. No, no. No. I know you'll probably say no, but would you like? Okay. Would you guys like one? Okay. Here, would you like one of these donuts? The blueberries really are the best. So actually, they're nasty. You shouldn't. You shouldn't take one. Okay. All of you are so like. You're probably thinking about lunch instead. Like I don't want. If you want donuts after the service, no one will judge you. Does anybody else want a donut since I'm giving them away? Yes, I will give you a donut. Yes. And then after the service, no one will judge you if you stop by my donut box and get a donut. So, man, I love these blueberry ones. Like, they're good. I haven't had them in a long time. Question for you. How many of you are still thinking about cockroaches? No, most of you are not. Most of you are thinking about donuts, or you're thinking, man, that's a weird preacher who's walking around the room giving everyone donuts. Like, that's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about one of those two things. You stop thinking about cockroaches when you replace it with something better and sweeter. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Listen, whenever it comes to our anxieties, instead of giving our anxiety so much power by constantly thinking about them and letting them grow and get larger and larger, larger and larger in our minds. Let's replace it by thinking about the characteristic of God that is the answer to our anxiety. So what you wrote down, what you wrote down on your connection card, go ahead and take a look at it. So on the second line, on the second line of your connection card, is there an attribute of God that you know about that is the answer to that problem? Write it down. God is my provider. God is my father. If you're in school, because I know that some there are some students in here and you do get stressed about school, could I just encourage you with this one? Because I think I would have struggled with that one. Is that God is wisdom. God is wisdom. And he says in James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives all men liberally or abundantly and doesn't hold back. God is the source of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the Bible says. Uh, maybe you can write down, Lord, Lord, you are wisdom. You know what I need to know. So I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the work, but I need your help. Uh, he is he's the source of all wisdom. So what is the attribute of God? And I want you to notice something real fast. Um, when Trent read it earlier, he skipped over it, and that's fine because most people do. Um, but I want you to notice that word here in this translation, most translations, it's the word sila. It's the word sila. Now, a lot of people don't know what that is. They, uh, they skip over it. And maybe it's supposed to be skipped over. I think a lot of people would say, this is a word that you're not supposed to say when you come across it in the Psalms. But here's what it is. This word, sila, uh, most people believe that it is a musical note. Like, it's, a, it's a musical instruction, rather. It's the instruction to rest, to pause. So, for example, if you're familiar, if you took music lessons, uh, there's quarter notes, you know, um, Oh, praise the name. If we put a rest in there, then it's a break in the music or a break in the, in the words. Here's what most people believe that word sila is. It's pause, stop, camp out here for a while. Think on this for a while. 
sit in this, meditate on this for a while. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I was anxious about this, but God is my defense. God is my refuge. He's my shield. And when I cry to him, he answers me. Sit in that for a while. Let's not give our anxiety so much power. Let's focus on who our God is. I cried to the Lord with my voice. He heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. We want to focus on the character of God. And then third, I want you to notice uh, David rests in the sovereignty of God. David rests in the sovereignty of God. Look with me in verse number five. He says, I laid down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I find this verse very, very interesting because remember, he is actually on the run for his life. But whenever he remembers who God is, he says, you know what? God will take care of me. I'm going to take a nap now. And just in general, I love the way, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said it this way, that sleep is the daily reminder to our hearts that we don't run the universe. Every single day when we go to sleep, you're never more vulnerable than when you're asleep. Uh, When you're sleeping, it's a reminder that, God, I can't control what happens in the next however many hours. I have to trust you. And David here, while he's on the run, he says, I lay down and slept, I wake because the Lord sustained me. And here's what we see. For David's because for David's mental anxieties, anxiety, he takes advantage of the gift of physical rest. The gift of physical rest. Okay, well, let's just acknowledge for a moment, and Jason said this well when he was here and spoke on the topic, but a lot of times our mental health is affected like we are whole human beings. We're not just the mind, we're not just the soul, we're not just the spirit, we're not just the body. We're a holistic human being, and a lot of times how we take care of our physical bodies i.e. eating donuts, affects our emotional health. Um, Tuesday, I got stressed out, and I'm just going to confess because I just feel like in a really confessional mood today, um, I guess. But I was just, my kids, they just, they, they were aggravating me on Tuesday. Like, I was, I was tired. Um, I did not sleep well on Monday night. I was aggravated. And, like, everything that they said and everything that they did was just driving me crazy. And while you're looking at me with judgmental eyes, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. So stop it. <laughs> but I, I, was, I, was, I was just like, I was getting, honestly, it, and it wasn't even their fault. It was not my kid's fault. It was, I was in a bad mood and tired and anxious and stressed out. Um, so everything was bothering me. When normally if I'm that arrested, I don't get so stressed out over, like they don't typically stress me out. Typically, I really like being around my kids. So on Tuesday, Adriana, uh, she looked at me and she said, why don't you just go for a walk? Get out of the house, go for a walk. So I did. I went for a walk and then I jogged and then I had just had supper, so I thought I was gonna you know, lose my lunch, so then I walked again. But I, I got my heart rate up and I got some exercise and you know what, when I came into the house, I was like, my kids are the most wonderful kids in the world. I love them, I love being with them. You're so much fun. Let me come hug you. Like, that's the way I felt after I just got a little bit of exercise. And a lot of times our mental anxieties are affected by the fact that we're abusing our bodies. David here, he says, hey, you know what? I lay down and slept because I could trust my God. He takes care of me. So let's make sure that we're uh, doing things like, like sleeping, like eating things more than just donuts. Uh, 
drinking water, getting sunlight, uh, taking care of our bodies because that affects that affects our souls. And we can do that. We can do that. You can take time off. You can rest. Because God will take care of you. So we see rest in the sovereignty of God and embrace our physical limits. Then I want you to notice, and these are just more uh, devotional thoughts as we come to a close in verse number seven. David says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Um, in this verse number seven, it's funny because it's like David starts off anxious and then he gets into this place of like beautiful peace. God's my shield. I took a nap. It's all good. And then verse number seven, it's kind of like, it's almost like it stirs up again. All right, Lord, oh, arise. Oh, Lord, save me. So he's back to doing what he did at first, acknowledging and taking his emotions to God. And this is something that I think is really important for us to get. This is something that I think is really important for us to get and understand. Is that whenever it comes to the problems of life, the answers are not head answers. Meaning, and we're going to see this over this next series, which I don't want to get into until next week. Um, is that a lot of times whenever it comes to the things that we know, like I just gave you a series of hopefully helpful steps. I think that they will be helpful if you'll practice them. Um, you know what? That's not going to keep you from not getting stressed out next week. It's something that we have to constantly and continually practice. Just because I know it in my head doesn't mean that it solves the problems in my mind or in my heart with my emotions. We have to constantly wrestle with this. Lord, I have to constantly give this to you. I have to constantly, because it's the natural tendency in my heart to battle, to, to battle again to try to take control. So David is going through this process again. Rise, O Lord, save me, O oh my God, for you smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone, and you've broken the teeth of the ungodly. And then verse number eight, David is back to this place of peace. And he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. See, look, sit in that. Think on that. Here's, what, here's how David closes the psalm, and this is the perfect way for us to close our message for today. Ult, David's ultimate sense of peace came from who his identity was in God. What ultimately gave David peace was, you know what? God, you anointed me. I belong to you. You care for me. So I'm going to rest in that. And friend, ultimate peace is only possible because of who Jesus is. The fact is, is that we could never know peace. You and I, uh, in our sin, are born the enemies of God. Yet Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again to make us his people, to make us his children. Uh, and now, because God is our good father, because God is our loving heavenly father, then I can go to him, God, I belong to to you. You care for me. You know what's going on in my life. When Jesus says in Matthew 6, hey, don't worry about your material provision. God will take care of you. It's because he says, because you belong to him. How much will your heavenly father? We can have peace. We can know peace. We can experience the peace of God, which passes all understanding if we belong to him. So the question is for ultimate peace. Do you belong to him? Are you a child of God or are you the enemy of God? Well, how do I know? 
how do I know if I'm the enemy of God? Every person starts off as the enemy of God. And the only way that a person goes from being the enemy of God to being the friend, the child of God, is through throwing ourselves at the mercy of Jesus. Because Jesus suffered and bled and died to remove our guiltiness. The fact that we are enemies of God is because we rebelled against him, which demanded that justice be served by a punishment being fleshed out. So Jesus said, I will suffer your punishment so that you can, so that your sins can be forgiven, so that your rebellion can be paid for, and so that you can be brought into the family of God. And we're brought into the family of God because of God's grace because of God's grace, and our response to his grace is to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus in repentance, believing that, Jesus, you died for me, you rose again for me, so now I throw myself at your feet asking for your mercy, and I believe that you died for me, and, and as I call to you that you're forgiving my sin and bringing me into your family. Ultimate peace happens not through just a series of practices. Ultimate peace happens when we have the right vertical relationship with God. Do you have that this morning? Do you have that? Friends, God does not want you, he does not want me, to sit and suffer in our anxiety. He's provided an answer, he's provided a way for us to have peace. So that he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Hey, take those anxieties to God. Label them. Give them to him. The peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind with all wisdom. Hey, he's got you. He will take care of you. He knows your needs. So whatever is good, pure, true, lovely, hey, redirect your thoughts to those things. The peace of God who you belong to, the God that you belong to will give you his peace. So let's experience it. Let's practice this. Let's wrestle with this. Let's sit with this this week. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. And Lord, I do ask and pray that you would help us to experience the peace that comes from God. Lord, we, uh, we struggle so often. I struggle so often. I struggle this week with anxious thoughts. But I thank you that you don't leave us alone. You don't leave us to try to figure it out for ourselves. You give us answers and your word and through your cross uh, to experience the peace of God. Lord, I pray that this would uh, stick with us and when we experience anxious thoughts, uh, that we would remember these things and that we would live them out. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we close the service this morning. Um, I would just like to, a couple of things. If you would go ahead and take out your connection card one more time and take a look at that. Uh, take out your connection card, take a look at that. There's a couple of, there's a couple of things on there um, that I would like for us to look at together. First of all, we talked about knowing that you have the peace of God, knowing that you have a relationship with God. Um, if you don't know that your sins have been forgiven, if you don't know that you have a relationship with God, but you would like to know more about that, um, then there is a box on the connection card. If you just mark it, mark there. Uh, I would like to know more about starting a relationship with Jesus. 
uh, fill that out. We'd love to we'd love to help you get Bible answers to knowing that you have a relationship with God. Uh, maybe today, church family, there's a step that you can be taking to grow in your faith. Maybe uh, you need to take the step of baptism or uh, joining a team and serving uh, or something like that. You can fill that out. And then, of course, if you wrote down some things that you're anxious about, if you just drop that off in the in the in the box, uh, I would love to pray with you about those things this week. And if you drop it off. Uh, then something that I would like to do is I would like to, if you'll drop it off in the box, then this week I would like to find some type of uh, article, a Christian resource that maybe speaks to some things that you're struggling with uh, to give you to read and to consider and to help you uh, throughout the week. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. Uh, and we'd love for you to turn that in. A couple of other announcements in the worship guide. There is the giving envelope. Uh, so we can meet here because we give to the Lord uh, together. So there are three ways to give around here. The first way to give is you can give. My favorite is the by text. Uh, so you can text. If we can throw that. If you can find that and throw that up there. Uh, but text a, do- text a dollar amount in the like the message section to the phone number 84321. You can give that way. Uh, you can give through our website. That's thenewlife.church. That's our church website. Um, and then, of course, if you want to give in person, if you want to give cash, uh, then you can do that over at the giving box. And of course, if you're if you're new around here, we didn't invite you. you we didn't want you here, so we could get your money. Uh, we hope that the service today was truly a gift to you, uh, church family. If you just follow the Lord, follow the Lord in whatever He wants you to do, uh, you do that, and uh, God will do great things through our church and in our and our community. Next week, next week, we're starting all my questions, uh, wrestling with the questions of the soul, and I'm going to give you like just a little. Um, I'm going to take 30 seconds and give you like a 